welcome to the Preaching Matters Podcast. My name is Alan Carr, and I am your host. Thank you for listening to our episode today. On this podcast, we talk about preaching because we believe preaching matters, and we certainly want our preaching to be better. We want it to glorify God, and we want it to be biblical. And so that's what this podcast is about. We talk about all matters related to preaching because we believe preaching matters. So thank you for tuning in today. We're going to get right into the episode, but before we do, let me ask you to go to your favorite podcast directory and leave us a good review. We would appreciate that. Get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. Now, let's talk about preaching because preaching matters. This is Alan Carr. I'm your host, and welcome to episode number 24, in which we will continue to talk about writing a proposition. In our last episode, if you've not listened to that, you need to because we deal with what a proposition is. And a proposition, just by way of review, is a brief, simple sentence which declares to the hearers what should be known about the sermon. It's really called a sermon in a sentence. As I said last time, I call this the 3 a.m. test. If someone were to awaken me at 3 a.m. on Sunday morning and say, what are you preaching? I should be able to tell them in one succinct, concise sentence what I will be preaching. It is the sermon in a sentence. And the proposition to a sermon is very vital because it serves like a steering wheel on your automobile. It keeps it on course. And if you don't have a steering wheel on your car, you know you can't go anywhere. You can't go where you want to go. And if you don't have a clear proposition, then you cannot have a well-done sermon, in my view, because you really don't know where you're going. You'll wind up preaching with a scattergun when God expects us to preach with a rifle. He wants us to focus in on the main subject of the text, have a preaching theme based on the text, and then from that preaching theme, write a clear proposition, which tells us what we're going to cover in that passage. And if you remember, there are some good characteristics of a, of a good proposition. There are seven of them. I'm going to give them to you. Number one, it should be stated in one simple sentence, avoiding compound or complex sentences, just a simple, straightforward sentences. Number two, it should be eight words or less if possible. Number three, it should consist of a personal reference, you, we, each of us, plus a course of action, which is a suitable verb form plus the theme of the sermon. That'll be clearer in just a bit, I hope. It should be a persuasive statement rather than just being factual because the keyword method which we're studying is by nature a persuasive structure and the proposition should reflect this. Number five, it should reflect or be stated as a timeless truth. And number six, it should not include proper names except for deity. In other words, you're not going to preach. I'm not, you don't get up and say, I want to preach today about why Deacon Jerry is a loser. You can't call Deacon Jerry out in such a manner. And if you're going to use any proper names in your proposition, it should be the name of deity alone. And number seven, it should reflect the overall purpose of the sermon. And that may be, that may be to inspire the congregation, maybe to try to move them to deeper consecration in Christ. It may be to engage them in evangelism, to motivate them to some type of action to bring comfort to those who are suffering, to instruct the people in the ways of God, 
or to bring warning to them. So that is a basic overview of what the proposition is. And today we're going to talk about the different kinds of propositions you might use. And there are three primary types of propositions, and I'm going to give them to you. First, there is the proposition of ability, which tells us that we can do something. So ability tells us what we can do. And there is the proposition, secondly, of obligation, which tells us what we should do. And then number three, there is the proposition of value, which tells us why it is better to do something than another thing. So I'm going to go back over those and talk about them and just, and we're going to talk about those different types of propositions and give you some examples. Okay. Under the proposition of ability, if I'm talking about having an effective daily prayer life, my proposition will sound something like this. Every Christian can experience effective daily prayer. Well, If I say you can do something, the obvious question that arises out of that is how can I do this? And that relates to the propositional interrogative, which we'll get to in the next episode. But the propositional interrogative is is the proposition turned into a question. So every Christian can experience effective daily prayer. The interrogative would be how can every Christian experience effective daily prayer? And the sermon would be structured to answer that question. Every point of the sermon would then tell you how you can do that. Does that make sense? The proposition of ability. Another example, every person following Christ can be a learner. That is, everybody who follows Jesus can learn something. How can we do that? The sermon's going to tell us how. A third example, sincere spiritual seekers can discover truth about Jesus Christ. How true that is. But how can we do that? The sermon's going to tell us how. So that is the proposition of ability. It tells people they can do something. Then the sermon goes on to tell them how they do that something. So that is the proposition of of ability. Very useful. Number two, the proposition of obligation. I'll give you some examples there. If I'm preaching about prayer and my text suggests that we should pray, my proposition may be every Christian should pray daily. Well, the obvious question is why? Why should we pray daily? And the answer to that will be found in the points of the sermon. So the proposition of obligation. If I say the disciple of Jesus Christ must be a learner, then I'm going to tell you that's what you must be doing. And the obvious question is, why should I be doing that? And the sermon again will answer that question. Then the third example is sincere spiritual seekers must investigate the person of Christ. Well, the obvious question is why must we investigate the person of Christ? And again, the points of the sermon are going to be structured to bring an answer to that question. So I'm telling you, you should do something Then I'm going to tell you why you should be doing it. And that is the proposition of obligation. Now the proposition of value where it sets one thing against another. An example of that would be, It's better to pray daily than to shoulder the load alone. And again, we're going to tell them why. And then a second example is it is better to grow in the knowledge of Christ than to remain childish in our faith. And you tell them why it's better. A third example, it is better to investigate the person of Christ than to look elsewhere for spiritual reality. And again, you're going to tell them why. Now, all three of these different propositions, the ability, obligation, and value, seem to say about the same thing, especially those of ability and obligation. 
but they don't. One word, can instead of should, leads to an entirely different kind of sermon than the other. The purposes as well as the basic structures of the sermon will be different, and the only thing they have in common are the subject and the theme. Now, you need to stop here and ask yourself this question. If you're preparing a sermon, you have a sermon, you, you have, excuse me, you have a subject, and then you have a theme, and you sit down to write a proposition. Let's take, for example, every Christian can experience effective daily prayer. I'm saying you can do this. And the question is, how can I do this? I have to look at my text and say, does the text tell us in at least two ways, perhaps more, how this can be done? If the text does not give you the answer to the how question, then you've got to go back and find a different proposition. You've got to look at the text, determine what it teaches, and see does it answer the question related to the proposition. That's very, very important. So you have to allow the text to determine the kind of proposition to be used. If the text seems to be answering a why question, the proposition should likely be an obligatory one. If the question is telling us how something to be done, if the, excuse me, if the text is telling us how something is to be done, the proposition should be one of ability. If the text is making a proposition or rather making a comparison, I can't talk today. I'm sorry. If the text is making a comparison, then a proposition of value might be required. So the text again, as I've said several times before, should always be allowed to speak for itself, and that is the heart of biblical preaching. And you and I need to think about how to do good propositions, and I will say to you that writing a good proposition is a very difficult task. In fact, it's one of the most important tasks of sermon preparation, and in my view, it is one of the most difficult. To sit down with the text, to get the exegesis done, to determine the subject and the theme, and then to analyze that text and determine which direction it is leading the sermon and allow the text to direct the flow of the sermon, the construction of the sermon, the points of the sermon, and to do that in one simple sentence, which sums it all up in eight words or less, <clears throat> which calls for a course of action, which expresses how we can do something, why we should do something. And that is very, very important. And we must take the time to do that. <clears throat> it helps keep our sermons on track. It helps us to preach sermons which go directly to the heart of the text. It allows us to preach sermons which goes directly to the heart of the people and which connects the people to the scripture in a very important way. And we must spend time writing a good proposition. So the proposition, you can't overstate its importance, and it's something which must be worked at, something which must be uh, analyzed, something which must be worked out, in a very, very concise and cohesive way. So since I've got a little extra time today, this went a little quicker than I thought, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the idea of the propositional interrogative. I talked about that a little bit a minute ago, and uh, what you're going to do is you're going to take the proposition, the propositional interrogative, and you're going to turn it around into a question, okay? You're going to take the proposition because the proposition makes an assertion. It says you can do something. It says you should do something. It says you are better off to do this than that. And this leads to a question automatically leads to a natural question. And the question is formulated by simply prefacing the prop, the proposition with a suitable interrogative like why or how. 
and the proper interrogative will depend on the kind of proposition being used, whether it's ability, obligation, or value, and the nature of the material in the text, which question does it answer? So again, the text is going to direct all of this. It's going to tell you which proposition to use, and it's going to answer the question related back to the proposition. So with the proposition of ability, the usual interrogative is how. When, where, and what might also be used at times. So again, the example, every Christian can experience effective daily prayer. That is our proposition. The interrogative is obviously how can every Christian experience effective daily prayer? With the proposition of obligation, the usual interrogative is why, when, where, what might also be used at times. The proposition, again, every Christian should pray daily. Then the question is, the interrogative, why should every Christian pray daily? With the proposition of value, the usual interrogative is why, and when and where might also be used at times. But in the proposition, it is better to pray daily than to shoulder the load alone, gives us the interrogative, why is it better to pray daily than to shoulder the load alone? And the interrogative sentence, you know, listen, when you're preaching, you may or may not state your proposition. That may be something you use to guide your sermon. I typically try to work my proposition into my introduction. Uh, as far as the propositional interrogative, you may or may not use that. But it's extremely important as a homiletical tool. It will help you to retain focus as you prepare and make the transition from the sermon introduction, which you'll write later, into the body of the sermon. And it's very necessary. And I think we ought to pay, pay close attention to the proposition and the propositional interrogative because both of these are extremely important. And again, if you do not have a good proposition, you do not know where you're going in the sermon because you will allow yourself to insert things which do not belong there. You'll make statements and you'll lead off into tangents which have no place in your subject and theme. And if you don't have a good proposition, your sermon really has no focus and no direction. And you can be sure that if you leave out of the port of preaching with no, no definite destination, you're going to get there. That is, you're going to get nowhere. So always know where you're going. Always know what you're going to say. And tailor and structure everything in your sermon to help you reach that goal. You want to go where you're going. You want to go where the text leads you. And the best way to do that is to develop your sermon around a good proposition and answer the question of a good propositional interrogative. Is this easy? No, it is not. I've already stated this is hard work or the hardest things you'll ever do. In fact, in sermon preparation is writing a good proposition. And I want you to understand it can be done. It can be done, and it's going to flow out of your work of exegesis. It's going to flow out of your work in uh, preparing your sermon and understanding everything the sermon is saying, and you're going to get a lot of mileage out of it, and the people who hear you are going to understand that you are going somewhere, and you know where you're going. You know what you're going to say. You have a plan, and that gives them hope. They don't want to listen to a preacher who just gets up and kind of circles the airport and never lands the plane properly. They want to know when you start off, when you take off in your sermon, that you have a flight plan and you're going somewhere and you're taking them into something they should know. 
you're giving them something they should learn, and you're helping them to grow in Christ with a plan in mind. I think people get discouraged when they hear preaching, which has no direction. I think they get discouraged when they hear preaching, which doesn't seem to be focused, which doesn't seem to be on target, which doesn't seem to be exploring the text and bringing truth out of the text. And so our duty as preachers is to investigate the text, to thoroughly exegete it, and to put together a sermon which tells people what the text says. All we're doing in preaching, really, is letting the Bible speak for itself. That's all we're doing, and that's all we should be doing. My opinions don't matter. My little thoughts don't matter. What matters is what thus saith the Lord, and our job is to give that to the people who come to hear us preach. My opinions will die when I do. My thoughts will die when I do. My narrow focused thinking and acting will die when I do. But the word of God will stand forever. That is the testimony of the word itself. It will stand forever. So that if, when I prepare a sermon today and I prepare it with a good proposition where all the points flow in and out of that proposition, everything is textual, everything is in context, and the scripture has spoken, my sermon will, in essence, be timeless, not because I'm such a great preacher or such a great expositor, but because I'm exposing eternal biblical principles in a way that continue to speak, so that if I go a thousand years into the future, my sermon would still preach because it's still biblical truth. If I took it back to the time of the apostles, it would still preach there because it is eternal, timeless truth. And that is our obligation to take the word of God, to share the word of God, and to let the word of God come into the hearts and minds of the people who hear us preach. So we're going to wrap it up there today. Thank you so much for taking time to be with me today. And we covered a lot of ground in a short time, and I'm glad for that. And I'm sure you are too. But please reach out to me, alancarr at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you and see what you think about our podcast I'd love to know your thoughts. I'd like to know if you're getting any help from this. I don't get a lot of feedback, and the only kind of the only way I get feedback is if somebody reaches out to me with feedback. So if there's something you like, let me know. Something you want to hear me talk about, let me know. If there's some place you're stuck in your sermon preparation work or in preaching itself, let me know, and I'll be glad to do a bonus episode about that, talk about it, and get that out there. And I'm not saying I know everything because I don't. Matter of fact, after all these years preaching, nearly 40 years of preaching, I'm still learning and I'm still growing and my preaching is still changing. And I believe that's the way it ought to be. But I do want to share with you the things that I know about, the things that I think about, and I want to share with you some truths from the Word of God that may be helpful to you. So thank you again for tuning in today and continue to listen and share the, share the word about the podcast. Let others know about it. It continues to grow, and I'm thankful for that, but I'd like to see more. And so, again, reach out to me, alancarr at gmail.com. Let me know what you think, and I'd love to hear from you. So, until next time, God bless you, and I trust the Lord will continue to use you for his glory, and may his will be done in your life. God bless you much, and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you once again for joining us today on the Preaching Matters Podcast. We 
try to have a new episode out next week. So I encourage you, if you enjoyed the episode or you think someone else would enjoy it, first, I want you to subscribe. And I'd like for you to leave a positive review on the platform of your choice or on several if you choose. And I'd like for you to tell somebody else about it. This is a podcast for preachers. If you are a preacher or know some preacher who might benefit, share the news. God bless you. Thanks for being here. I pray that preaching goes well for you. God blesses you in your work for his glory. Pray for us and Lord willing, we'll see you next week.